Treason, terror, and a silver lining. What a week. My name is Matt Sinovic. I'm the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Ivy Beckenholt, Communications Director of Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week with hot takes about the week's news and shout outs for people doing good in the world. On this first edition of 2021, we will hear from Iowa Representative and Assistant Democratic Leader Jennifer Comfers. But first, we start with what made headlines during this past very bizarre um, and very long week. Um, we start with the um, really the tragic terror attack on our nation's capital. Um, I, 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 we were just talking about this before we started recording and I was, it, it's not entirely surprising to see this as Trump's rhetoric, which we'll talk about in a little bit in a moment, um, has incited a lot of this, but it was shocking to see the, the images of something that looked like we have never seen in this country. I mean, this is third world country, um, stuff that we don't often or usually really never see. Um, and, and it was to me, it was, it was jarring and unsettling and just not, not, I mean, it is who we are. It's not who I want us to be. So, um, yeah, Ivy, what, uh, what did you, what did you make of it as you watched it all unfold? I think it was definitely shocking, mostly because the fact that they were able to get in when we have such a huge defense budget and yet people are able to just walk in there. That was obviously shocking and disappointing. But on the other hand, it's not shocking that we came to this point because of the rhetoric that Trump has been building up both for the last few months. He's continually saying the election's stolen. And so I suppose if you really believe that, you know, what are you going to do about that? If you're really like invested in that message and then with a lot of Republican senators and representatives supporting this narrative, I suppose that it was always going to get here. What did you think about the Iowa GOP role in all this too? Yeah, I mean, they're complicit 100% to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think anyone who is feeding into the big lie that that the president is telling about the election um, is has had a hand in what happened um, on, uh, on Wednesday. Like, they, I mean, they're fueled by this by this lie, this conspiracy, this crackpot theory that the election was stolen, which is not the case. Republican officials have said that. Courts have said that. And just, you know, common sense uh, 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 tells you that. Um, mm-hmm. But even yesterday, Governor Reynolds said again that that people have a lot of questions about how the election went down. This is a day after that this kind of lie spurred on this terror attack and so she's still doubling down on that on that um uh on that lie so it's um they they certainly have a role in that sense and then there's the extreme cases where like you saw there's a um the county party county republican party talking about um uh, really violent rhetoric on Facebook and there's stuff like that and state representative Dean Fisher a Republican really just saying that this is that the attack was okay that the terrorist attack was was justified so I mean I, you have people like Reynolds who she's, she's she's at least saying that the violence is not good 
but she's still feeding into it by yeah. promoting this lie. But then on, uh, at the other end, you, you still do have people who are actually supporting the violence. So, um, and the terror attack. Um, yeah, and and we, um, for his role in this and, and just for the danger of the next few weeks, the potential danger of the next few weeks, Progress Iowa put out a statement calling for Trump to be removed with the 25th Amendment or or impeached. Um, uh, the 25th would take a lot less time. Uh, impeachment, I think, takes some time, but they need to do it. And uh, thankfully, Congresswoman Cindy Axney is on board publicly to do that, um, along with, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what the count is now, but a growing number of representatives. So I don't know if that's going to happen. I hope it does. And we would encourage everyone to call their elected officials to push them to do that. Yeah, exactly. I don't see a way to move forward by pushing this behind us. I think a lot of people want us to ignore it just to move on, but for this to happen and to not impeach him encourages him. I know that in a message he uh, had on a video Twitter, he said that this isn't the end, this is just the beginning. You know, that's not what we want here. We want this chapter to officially end. So I think impeachment is definitely necessary for that. I agree. And like, it's, it's, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I'd also put out there that like there was a question about whether the National Guard was allowed to be called up by the Defense Department. And so if something else were to happen like this in Des Moines, God forbid, you know, in Iowa, Missouri, wherever, anywhere in the in the country, if there were um, these kind of, of attacks and someone wanted to federalize the guard or send in the you know do do certain things to support and they didn't have the full backing of the administration because trump is giving them a wink and a nod like that's failing to do his job as commander-in-chief and protecting and protecting mm-hmm. american citizens and so like I, I mean just from a functional standpoint of government like he needs to go because these are his people that he's inciting and and so it's, I guess it's pretty unrealistic to think that he's going to use, use every possible, um, you know, uh, asset at his disposal to, to protect us from them because they're his people. So why would he protect mm-hmm. us from them? Like he wants them to win. He wants them to do what they did. Um, otherwise he wouldn't have been at their rally right before they walked up to the Capitol. So, um, Anyway, so I th- it is neat. We need to have him taken out of office, um, uh, removed from office. Um, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. But that would be the safest route for the for the country. So um, uh, we talked about this a second ago. But Governor Reynolds said it's time to stop pointing fingers and dial down the rhetoric. And um, and it's it's. That's a little bit late for that. Um, should have been five years ago that she should have said something like that. And I mean, I like when someone comes into your house and tries to burn it down. Yeah, you need to, you know, you need to point a finger at them and you need to like mm-hmm. hold them accountable. So that's that's it. Um, that's my. We're not at hot takes yet, but that's my hot take. Yeah. I mean, how convenient that when it is partly her fault, she says, stop pointing fingers, you know. But of course, if this was a protest or, you know, a mob thing from the other side, I don't think she would be saying this. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I want to just throw one other thing out here about that, like, because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of both sides 
Black Lives Matter protests, you know, um, yeah. I, I, I may have missed the video, but I don't think I saw um, anybody uh, kneeling on Donald Trump's neck for nine minutes before um, or breaking into his house and and waking him up out of bed and shoot and, and shooting at him. Um, mm-hmm. as is the case with Breonna Taylor. Like, th- there is no comparison um, for this um, between between the two. And it's just um, absurd. Um, and, and even beyond that, the, the, like, the response from, the response, we know what the response would have been if it would have been, like, if, if a Black Lives Matter protest had tried to overrun the Capitol. Um, right. because they didn't even come close to doing that and we saw what happened so um it's it, 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 that both sides can just take a hike in this case it's 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 just it's just not even the comparison is not even close or fair mm-hmm. fighting for people to stay alive you know black lives is very different from this whole coup thing going mm-hmm. on so yeah, yeah completely agree but uh moving on to kind of iowa news COVID is still uh, running rampant. Um, Iowa has, according to the Iowa Capital Dispatch, the fifth highest COVID positivity rate and the lowest number of tests. Um, obviously, that's disappointing, but kind of expected. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Um, just, yeah, more of the same. And mm-hmm. the governor is lessening or lightening up on restrictions now, too. Um, the, the sort of, but not really, a mask mandate is still in place, but... Um, there is now li- no limit on athletic events um, or like people attending games. So I guess pack them in in crowded gymnasiums or whatever, you know, um, whatever you want to do at this point, um, which is really disturbing because numbers are spiking, hospitalizations are going back up and 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 very few people have been vaccinated so far. So it is not time to do that and and i hope that people are safe but i'm very very concerned about what she's doing as always still but like uh, um it's been like the theme of this podcast for the last yeah however many months so mm-hmm. the theme of really her depending on this vaccine to come in and magically save the day but of course with you know, the federal level not really giving us the support that the state needs to, you know, give out these vaccinations. We're going to have to do something ourselves. So mm-hmm. obviously Kim Reynolds isn't doing it. Hopefully she does. But, you know, we'll see as usual. But more on this, too. Uh, Kim Reynolds and AIDS appeared in a PR video for oh, yeah. Test Iowa, the non-bid vendor. Where to even start on this? So there were already so... I mean, rumors, but really, like, true accusations of her showing favoritism to Test Iowa, giving them the bid uh, when she didn't, you know, check other companies, and then doing this PR video for them. It's just so horrible. And I know that they just today took the video down, right? I think that's right. Yeah, I think it was just mm-hmm. today. But, um, I mean, it's... She, she doesn't... It underlines her whole term... Her whole, whole time in office, she doesn't work mm-hmm. for us. She works for any company that's willing to give her um, a handout um, or get a handout from her. Like that's just a, it's a cronyism type of operation. And 
Um, and that's that's just what she does. Um, every any tax break she wants to give out to companies, they get it. Um, any support that they want to give to her, whether it was flying on her on their private jet during you know a few years ago or this or whatever it is, like she's she's taking it from them. So like it's um, that's just it's just how she operates. So we shouldn't like probably shouldn't be that surprised, but it's just disturbing to see that um, her in that kind of a. Uh, that kind of promotion. Next, we have the topic of Georgia, the our uh, silver lining, our good news yes. this week. Uh, finally, something good to talk about. Yes, the Democrats uh, took the Senate. Um, this is obviously a big move for progressive policies. Um, yeah, what, what were your thoughts on it? Celebration. I well, I don't know. Would you? Did you see it? I didn't see it coming. I, I don't know. I did think that. Um, Warnoff was going to win, but I wasn't sure about Ossoff yeah. for sure. So I was very, I try not to get to, um, you know, what's the opposite? Why am I blanking? Opposite of pessimistic. Optimistic. Optimistic. There we go. Yeah. I've been too pessimistic. <laughs> I try not to get too optimistic about. You couldn't even the think Senate. of the word. That's how yeah. far away from it you were. Um, mm -hmm. No, I, yeah, no, I agree. I, I just like, I, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I probably, if I had to pick, I would agree with you that I would have picked Warnock mm -hmm. if one of them was going to win. But you know, it's it's hard to win these um, and mm -hmm. close races. And um, but I think um, uh, it's it's hard to. I think it's also hard to tell people for two months that the election is rigged, and then say, "Oh, but go vote in the election because your vote matters." I mean, mm -hmm. that doesn't jive. That doesn't match up. It doesn't sync. Um, so. Uh, um, and I also think a lot of people that were new to this turnout on the Republican side were coming out for Trump. And we, I mean, and I know that there is typically a drop off for the party in power in a uh, midterm, but mm -hmm. they're not going to have Trump at the top of the ticket to drive turnout with these different voters than, than Republicans are used to getting. So we'll see what happens. I'm not saying that it's going to be some big democratic wave year, but like, mm -hmm. but that is a factor that will be a factor in how people, in, in how people turn out. Um, and this is the first, this is the first evidence of that. Um, so it's just interesting. And, and, and I think the biggest thing you said it is progressive issues. I mean, whether you live in, you know, a state that is no matter who's in power in your state, I mean, in Iowa, we have a Republican trifecta, but federal policies are coming to help us. I mean, if they raise mm -hmm. the minimum wage, Iowa has the longest running $7.25 minimum wage, longer than any state in the country. We've been waiting for a minimum wage increase because the Republicans won't do it here. But if they raise the minimum wage, we all get that. Um, if, if, um, uh, if they pass some sort of public option, some sort of expanded health care, Iowans will benefit. Immigration reform, um, all the any anything that we um, want to talk about, like racial justice uh, um, reforms or police reform, like that will happen. That will be impacted by that too. So help is on the way. Basically, is what I'm um, mm. what I'm saying. No matter where no matter where you live, because of this result, um, help is on the way. Exactly, and I'm hoping that seeing the federal level be in power of. Democrats, you know, progressive issue leaders. Hopefully, Iowa will kind of see that and see that things might get better and kind of pull away from the Trump rhetoric, the Trump side. I'm hoping that, you know, 
we get the $2,000 stimulus and other things that will help oh, right. boost like the progressive side. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of skipped over COVID, which is like the big, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, a better vaccination rollout policy, stimulus yeah. checks, you know, that are more than $600 and more than every eight months or six months or whatever, whatever the gap was, you know, like, um, yeah. yeah, no, you're right. Like we, um, and we need to do a good job of explaining why this is improving people's lives, you know, because um, I fear that Republicans are all of a sudden going to care about the debt and which they haven't for the last four years. They're going to care and they're going to, you know, say it's a socialist takeover of everything, which is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. So um, so we need to make sure these hopefully these help these policies get into place and then need to talk about why they're good for for everyone. Uh, next, we have our hot takes, where we go over the hot topics of the week and give, obviously, our take on it. Uh, first up, we have Trump saying we love you to basically the terrorist at the Capitol. This was just shocking because how do you say you love these people who are committing this horrible act? I mean, that was basically my take, just not shock, but also shock, just because I can't believe he said that. Yeah, I think shocked but not shocked is the theme yeah. of the the week here. But but I think I mean, look, these are people who truly are ride or die for Trump. So mm-hmm. I mean, he I, I believe with I believe one hundred percent that he loves them. Like yeah. these are people who you know just will do truly anything. I mean, they're cl- they're scaling the walls of the Capitol for him. Um, and How that's, does that make sense, by the way? I don't know. Let's not even get yeah. into the hypocrisy yeah. of whether walls work or not to prevent people, you know, all that. But, mm-hmm. like, um, but I mean, he, it, this is, it feeds his ego. And that's what he, that's, that's his, that's what he does. That's, that's why he, uh, that's just who he is. So, of course, he loves them. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. People with, you know, the Confederate flag and everything loves mm-hmm. those people. I think that's, I mean, that's been the theme of his um, campaign is trying to stir up hate. So, yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. But another thing that uh, Trump did this week is he, well, basically today he announced that he's not going to the inauguration uh, right. for Biden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goodbye. Okay. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's basically my take. Bye. Yeah, me too. I don't care. See ya. Yeah. Get out. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Done. Uh, Last up on our (laughs) date is uh, Kim Kardashian and former presidential candidate Kanye West are reportedly getting a divorce. Uh, This, yeah. (laughs) I did not know this. Shocker to you, probably. I know, right? Uh, But uh, I don't have a take on it other than she... Maybe she was banking on being first lady. I don't know. It seems like she didn't want him to run. But yeah. I will say I am shocked that you didn't know this because this was like the biggest no, news. I think I Twitter. saw something. I kind of like glanced through it and I was like, oh, but I, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. It was like you're, when I saw it in your outline, it's like, oh, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I remember that now. So, yeah. Phew. Yeah. But I mean, it was only big news for about an hour or two until, you know, Tuesday happened. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll <laughs> forgive that one. But, okay. Yeah. But I'm basically just upset because they ended their uh, keeping up with the Kardashian show. And uh, so we won't really get to see this play out. So, yeah. Okay. Sad, well, I'm sure, sad day. I mean, I'm sure it'll be on whatever social media platform they're on. 
and in the news, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully they go into some interview, something because I've got to <laughs> see everything going on. Oh my gosh, I'm sure I, I'm sure that someone somewhere will get them to talk on camera because that's mm-hmm. what they do. So yeah. thank you, thank you. Okay. Um, up next, we have the interview with uh, Iowa State Representative and and uh, House Democratic Assistant Leader um, Jennifer Comfirst. Um And um, this week, conducting the interview with her is is our own Ivy Beckenholt, our communications director, who is a former student of Representative Comfirst. So enjoy this conversation about the upcoming legislative session and what we should expect in 2021. For our interview this week, we have Iowa Representative and Assistant Democratic Leader Jennifer Comfers. Uh, she's also was my professor at Drake, so welcome, Comfers. Thank you. Glad to be uh, here. Yeah, great. Um, we're really excited to talk to you, especially because session starts on Monday and there's a lot to unpack with that. But before we even go into that, I think we should probably talk about the intense week we just had with Georgia wins and then the mob, I guess, at the Capitol. What has been your take on the week? Right. Well, you know, um, as a Democrat, it it was hard to to hope on Tuesday night that things would go the way that the poll showed us that, that it would. And um, so, you know, we woke up on Wednesday morning just feeling very refreshed and uh, hopeful again, especially, you know, as um, Senator-elect uh, Ossoff was, you know, his race was called as well. So, you know, I think there was some good news coming out of Georgia, some good news for the future of the country uh, with with Democratic control of both the House, Senate and the White House here starting on January 20th. So things felt really good, like, like we were turning a page, we were turning a corner. And we had been watching and, and knowing that the that January 6th, that the certification of the election had some controversy behind it only in the sense that it was created controversy that people were pretending that the election um, wasn't certified or wasn't certifiable mm-hmm. and that there were questions about election fraud and there were not of course um, so we were already expecting that but I'll tell you that it really was so disappointing and scary um, I think sometimes in the moments that are happening you don't know that you're living in one of those moments but this time it really felt like this is one of those days we're always going to remember and not in a good way, you know, not in a way that it feels like pause and enjoy this moment more in one of those ways. Like we are really, um, we're, we've really turned a corner here and my hope is that we can get back around the other side because it's just too, it's too hard to believe that this is who we've become. And I know, of course, of course, this is who we've become. It happened here. But My hope is that we can find better ways and, and that we can make sure that those who did, you know, this attack on our country will be held accountable. Right. And I think this attack, as you mentioned, was kind of building up for a while. It wasn't necessarily completely shocking, um, but I think it had a lot to do with, you know, the false statements on election integrity. What role do you think Iowa's GOP might have had in this? Or what role do you think they play moving forward as well? I think Mitt Romney actually said it best on the floor of the Senate uh, Wednesday night when he said, the best thing you can do for people is tell them the truth. And when you continue to lie to them, when you continue to sow distrust, when you continue to uh, call into question things that are demonstrably true, you have a role in what happened on Wednesday. And so it's not enough just to say this went too far. Republican leaders in the state need to also say, 
we should have been clearer. We should have pointed out what is true, which is that the election results are legitimate and that Joe Biden will be our next president. We need leadership from these people. And instead, what they're doing is hedging their bets. They're um, playing semantics games. And that kind of gamesmanship contributes to this kind of reaction directly. We've seen it. And I think that Iowa's um, Republican leaders, they do have a role in what happened on Wednesday at the U.S. Capitol, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. It's been uh, building up for a while. And I, yeah, I completely agree with Mitt Romney on that as well. Um, and as I said that day, to... sorry, Ivy, as I no, said that day, it, it's one thing to be shocked or to be horrified. It's another thing to be mm-hmm. shocked. You know, um, we, we all knew this was coming. We hoped it didn't. But we knew something like this was coming, and uh, and it's just so disheartening when it really does. Exactly. And I mean, just seeing online that people from Iowa were also involved and in the building at the time, that's disheartening as well. There's definitely a direct right. link to our state. Right. It's horrible. Yeah. For um, sure. And kind of... Mm-hmm. And kind of moving on to session topic now, because uh, it starts on Monday with the GOP in power. How do you see this session playing out? You know, I think there's two ways to that we're sort of preparing for session. One is looking at the uh, COVID protocols that are taking place um, with session. You know, the fact that the Capitol will not be a safe space um, with regard to COVID mitigation strategies And so that's one way to look at it is what the actual day-to-day business will look like. And then the other is um, looking to see what Republicans will do with a continued trifecta at the Capitol. You know, um, there are a lot of things we're looking out for and a lot of things we're concerned about. Um, And I can go through those or if you want to ask specifically. But, um, you know, we're we're in that position of still being in the minority. uh, but that doesn't mean we're going to give up. That doesn't mean we're not going to fight. And that doesn't mean we're not going to hold them to account when they do things that are against the will of, of Iowans. When poll after poll tells us what Iowans want is different than what Republicans are trying to do. Yeah, exactly. I know uh, on the issues that last year, last session, abortion rights were a big issue and education funding. Do you expect those issues to be on the line this time? Absolutely. Education funding will be first. It'll be right out of the gate. Uh, I can. We're going to really push for more funding for our schools. If there's ever been a time to fund our schools more adequately, now is the time. Certainly, uh, ten years ago would have been the other time, and uh, nine years ago and eight years ago, we've been underfunding them for a decade. But uh, the least we can do right now, after all that schools have done, is um, the very least we can do is to is to try to fight for them as they've been facing all these budget challenges with regard to the pandemic and all the mitigation strategies they've had. So budgets for schools will be huge. We want to make sure that schools are held harmless for drops in enrollment that are temporary that uh, happened because of COVID. A lot of kindergartners were redshirted this year. Um, Some parents pulled their kids out this year and we'll send them back next year. We want to make sure that districts don't get punished for that when it comes to per pupil funding. And I, you know, the, the idea of, um, what Republicans are calling school choice is going to be a big part of the conversation this year. I know that um, a lot of families want to get their kids in school full time, 100% in person. I imagine almost every family in the state, I know I want that. I want kids back in school full time. 
it's just a matter of when that takes place and if it's safe for them to be there. We know there are going to be pushes to require a 100% in-person option for schools as soon as possible. We know that's going to be an early priority of the majority party. And we know that that will be something that will be a point of contention because we want kids to be safe. We want families to be safe. And we want teachers, bus drivers, lunchroom staff, custodial staff, everybody who works in a building to be safe. And the least Iowans can do is count on us to make sure that they are. So this push to um, get kids back in school, again, we're all in agreement that we want them back there. The difference comes in when it's a good time and when it's safe for everyone to go back. Right. I mean, I definitely see that as going to be difficult this year, especially because I remember last year, the increase barely, I didn't even meet inflation rates. And so it's just been yeah, horrible. And then right. and I know... Mm-hmm. Sorry, and you mentioned abortion as well. You know, um, last year they clearly they put a waiting period on um, on a woman's right to um, a legal medical procedure, and this year we expect them to advance a constitutional amendment that would make could make abortion illegal in the state of Iowa. Um, it would be a constitutional amendment that would. Um, it would first of all, it would include the word abortion in the amendment, which is be the first medical procedure ever included in Iowa's constitution by name. Secondly, it would be the first constitution or amendment to Iowa's constitution that would take away a right, which is not what constitutions are for. And um, it would effectively make it so that every every restrict or every um, interpretation of the right to a legal medical procedure in the state of Iowa would be held against the Iowa's constitution, which could then put those procedures at risk um, and the legality of those procedures at risk. So, um, you know, the good news is if they pass that constitutional amendment, this, this general assembly, it needs to pass again in two years and then it would need to go to the people. So at least there's a little bit of a, um, a time frame there, but um, I certainly know that, that that's going to be an attack on women's reproductive health and women's personal decision-making that will be uh, one of their top priorities as well. They did not campaign on that, but uh, we know that'll be one of their top priorities. Yeah, it's funny. I think a lot of things that we saw campaigned on was, you know, healthcare and things like that. But then when you get down to it, it doesn't seem like the GOP really advocates for that whenever they get into session. So this will be interesting exactly right. For sure. Yep, mm-hmm. their campaigns often don't manage, don't match the way they govern at all. Yeah, uh, more on the session, and I think recently we've been seeing a lot of Iowans advocate, like Rob Hogue, for uh, the use of the rainy day fund for um, food insecurity. Um, do you uh, have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we know that food insecurity is is a problem that's been exacerbated by the pandemic. We know it was a problem before the pandemic started. House Democrats are really focused on using that budget surplus we have at the end of the year. We have a good amount of budget surplus. We have some CARES Act dollars coming in. The bottom line is what Iowans need to know is that we have money right now that we could use to be helping Iowans get through this pandemic, small businesses, individuals, families, healthcare, hungry people. We have money in our budget as it stands right now that could be used this way and isn't being used that way. And that's the bottom line. So we as House Democrats will be pushing to use that budget surplus for things like food security, small business grants, making sure child care is accessible, making sure health care is accessible, making sure that essentially Iowa can get back on the road to recovery as soon as possible. We have money right now in our budget to do it. We've just not done it. Right. It's uh, it's 
disheartening to see that this money hasn't been used yet, but it's good to know that Iowa Democrats are really advocating for these progressive issues. And I know that a lot of Iowa Democrats are concerned right now with the redistricting process coming up. Um, I've seen concerns with a possible partisan amendment to a third proposed map. Could you uh, speak on this and whether you think we'll see gerrymandering this year? You bet. You know, Iowa's um, redistricting system is one of the best in the country. It's seen as a model for other states. It has been for decades. And uh, that's because Iowa's map um, is drawn by a nonpartisan legislative services agency person. It's drawn based on census data, and it um, is drawn to be as fair as possible. Um, The way our process works is that the first map gets proposed to the legislature. It can be approved or rejected. If it's rejected, the map comes back to the le- a second map comes to the legislature for us to approve or reject. If we reject it again, the third map is the one where then, as you indicated, Ivy, there's some flexibility, and that's when funny business can start. And so, um, you know, there there have been a lot of claims that we will not see um, gerrymandering in the state of Iowa. That there's no need to do so. Um, but Iowa Democrats are working very hard, and, and we don't think it's a partisan issue. We think everybody should be working hard on this because fair maps are not a partisan issue. But we think it's very important to reinforce the fact that voters choose their leaders. Politicians don't choose their voters. And so it's very important to understand that these maps need to be drawn in a way where voters have a say, that we don't create districts that are so clearly one side or the other that voters really don't even have a say when it comes to voting in 2022. So we are nervous about what will happen um, on that third map. The hope would be we don't get to a third map. The hope would be that in one of the first two maps, we um, can come to some sort of an agreement and move forward. And, uh, you know, that's the hope. And you can hope for that and also prepare for something else. We have been told time and again that they will not address, you know, they will not do anything crazy on the map. They also told us about collective bargaining. They also told us the same about our judicial nominating system, and both were um, fiddled with pretty substantially. And so we're uh, we're not necessarily taking these claims at face value. Right. And with everything that we've been speaking about, redistricting, um, abortion rights, et cetera, um, what do you think Iowans can do to get more involved and speak out for these issues that they care about, even virtually this year? I'm glad you brought it up virtually because I do want folks to know that, you know, session is is going to look different. Um, there will not be a mask mandate at the Capitol. We've learned there will not be a requirement that anyone report a positive COVID test. And so, um, you know, understandably, some folks might feel uncomfortable coming up to the Capitol that should not preclude you from contacting us. That should not preclude you from feeling that your voices will be heard. We will listen. We are ready to hear from you. Text, email, phone calls, um, letters, Zoom meetings, right? I'll be, well, a lot of us will be doing Zoom office hours, things like that. It's important that everyone know that your voices still matter, even if you can't physically feel safe coming to the Capitol. To that end, it means... Um, paying attention. The legislature, though I love serving there, is quite boring to a lot of people. Hmm. Understandably so. Um, And so I would encourage folks to still follow along, keep track of of what's happening up at the Capitol, and know that we'll be putting out alerts about things that might be coming up. And we're working on the mechanism to get those two people as quickly as possible. Follow our social media. Um, Getting involved could be as simple as contacting your state legislator. If your state legislator agrees with you, 
that's awesome. Let us know anyway, because it's nice to hear and it helps us to count, count perspectives, but also, you know, work in another district where Democrats might not quite be as organized and know what to do and help them get organized so that they could contact their state representative and put pressure on the majority party as well. The most important thing is we're up there working for voters. We're working for constituents, we're working for Iowans, and we can't let us forget that. Right. That's very important. I think it's really hard right now for some people to think about getting involved just with everything going on, especially with COVID. So I think that was some great points to follow on social media. Um, I know that um, we have a website that we're going to be putting up soon, and we'll put that in the link as well whenever we publish this website. That will have some information on that. So that'll be good. Great. Great. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then kind of ending on a more positive note with everything that's been going on um, with what session will bring, what would you say that your top priority is going into the session? Everything we're doing um, this legislative session will be seen through the lens of COVID recovery. Um, I have small businesses in Windsor Heights, Clive and West Des Moines who are barely hanging on because of the inconsistent leadership we've seen from, um, from the top regarding changes in proclamations, changes in rules, um, concerns about about COVID, staff being in and out, you know, people not getting what they need. We want to make sure small businesses can stay whole, can get whole again. So we're focused on that. We're focused on jobs. We're focused on making sure frontline workers are well taken care of and are safe and healthy at work. We're making sure families have childcare. These are our priorities. Everything's seen through the lens of COVID, but the irony here is that it's all the things we care about all the time. COVID has shown a light on a lot of flaws in our system and places where after chronic underfunding, you can truly see that we haven't done enough for mental health or for healthcare, things like that. It's been made very clear during the pandemic. So we're seeing all those things through the lens of COVID recovery, but we know those issues well, because we've been working on them for a long time and we're not going to stop until we get these issues addressed. So we're going to keep fighting for these issues. And, and our priority will be to get Iowa back on the road to recovery as soon as possible and that that recovery brings everyone along with it. I'm very glad that that's the way that uh, you're moving, especially, I mean, I didn't even mention, like you said, mental health. That's clearly a problem right now in Iowa. And so it's very positive to see that some of our legislators really care about this issue moving forward. Mental health is, is it's one of my pet issues only in the sense that it's, um, I see it every day. You know, Ivy is, you know, as a professor, I see students who are struggling with mm-hmm. mental health and illness. You know how that's a, an issue that schools are facing and, and young people mm-hmm. face a lot um, as a parent, as a person, you know, as um, somebody who interacts with people and has mental illness myself, we all struggle. And so I think it's very important to make sure that everyone has access to the care they deserve. And a lot of that includes telehealth parity. You know, a lot of that includes making sure that if you can't get to a doctor or a, 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 treat, a therapist because of the, the pandemic, you can see them virtually and the, the, they'll still be paid the same from your insurance. That's an important step to make sure people get access to care. Exactly. Oh, that's, I think mental health is something that especially Iowa students are, do they, they do struggle with and it's just disappointing that the state hasn't given them the right resources and after this pandemic, I'm sure that we'll see the um, that play out as well. And yeah, but yep. uh, overall, 
Yeah. Overall, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Was there anything else that you wanted to discuss? Just that we know that um, even if the legislature looks a little red, even if mm-hmm. the uh, this was a Trump state, we know that more than 700,000 Iowans voted for someone other than Donald Trump. And we know that Iowa is full of people who just want to make life better for their neighbors and themselves. And we really know that there are policies out there that might be being ignored that we're not going to let get ignored. We're going to work hard to make sure that those voices are heard at the Capitol. And, um, you know, election results or not, these are important issues that deserve a hearing up at the state Capitol. And we're going to fight for that. And we'd love your help. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Jennifer Confers, Iowa representative. Uh, It's been great to have you. Thank you very much. Next up, we have our shout outs where we lift up great work happening all over the state. And if you have any recommendations, please send them to at Progress Iowa or at Potluck FM on Twitter. Um, Our shout out this week goes to KCCI for actually reporting on Iowans who stormed the Capitol. I haven't seen a lot of other outlets doing this. Have you? No, and I think it'll it might start coming, but I think mm-hmm. it needs to happen because these are I mean they're criminals, and this is the local version of that story. Like these are, mm-hmm. um, I mean I would call them terrorists, but at minimum they're criminals. Um, and um, uh, and it's it's important to know who who did this. Um, I think if it was any other major act of terrorism um, that more people would be reporting about the who you know if if they were from your hometown if they were from your home state right. so so yeah they this is it's important to do that and know um who they are what they what they were trying to do and and it's and as you mentioned earlier in the episode it's just part of moving forward is holding people accountable what a week is produced by progress iowa as part of the potluck media network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you we are mixed and edited by greg howenstein for more information visit potluck.fm find us on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe see you next week on what a week